0: everyone and welcome to episode 113 of the Retrospectors podcast, Blood. My name is Patrick Arthur and I'm joined as always by my co-host James Turlings. James, it's been a very long time since we've done a boomer shooter. Blood is definitely one of the famous boomer shooters uh one of the big three build engine games definitely a rival in my mind to quake and half-life in terms of its popularity and its impact on the fps genre and now people generally view this era of first-person shooters uh, before i started talking about this did you have any idea what blood was tell me a bit about your experience and background with this game
1: well actually funnily enough i was the one to pick this game which is a bit unusual seen as you know you're normally the one to pick all the first person shooters um, but i had been, actually watched one of my friends play through the start of blood before and i guess the thing that captured my attention was just the cool like animations of the weapons like throwing dynamite uh the cultists getting set on fire their kind of gnarly screams as they you know alight and that kind of thing it just had a lot of personality and it looked like tough as nails as well so You know, I think, you know, from a visual standpoint, the game really drew me in Um, and it ended up having some pretty good, you know, design as well and some really fun levels. So, you know, before that, i had actually never heard of this game. Um, I think it doesn't quite, you know, I don't think it's quite had the staying power uh, in like the cultural memory or something like Doom or Quake have. Um, but I'm kind of disappointed in that because I think this like era of shooter is kind of interesting like before true 3d hit the market and a bit after you know the original wave I think there's some like really cool you know design space both visual and gameplay wise that they were exploring in this one yeah blood is a
0: 2.5d shooter as it's referred to all of the build engine games are nukem 3d shadow warrior and I'm sure a few more niche ones that I'm unaware of as for me, Blood is definitely a game that I've only really played uh, recently-ish. Growing up, I played lots of Duke Nukem 3D. Jute Nukem 3D is one of my, I guess, cornerstone games. You know, I played it more than Doom. I played that and Red Alert 1. Those were my two games that I played a lot before I was even 10 years old. And I watched a series by Civvy. Civvy is a YouTuber who does basically playthroughs of old uh, fps games and i was intrigued because of how interesting it looked it, it looked like an fps that had a very different weapon roster and i guess style of play from the fps games i normally play i actually played through the game entirely uh last year probably about a year ago to this date on the recommendation of uh one of our Discord members, Bus and Rounds. He kind of like pushed me to uh to finally check it out and I'd been wanting to for a while. And for this time round I played through it on Well Done, which is a Difficulty that has a lot of uh, aspects to it that is uh, that is kind of ridiculous in a lot of ways. Honestly, the first time round I played on lightly broiled, which I think is what you played through this time round, right,
1: James? Yeah, it was. I read online that the difficulty settings are actually quite wild. Like the game gets super challenging as you move up. And the final difficulty selection is basically only for co-op because it's that hard.
0: You just can't really play on Extra Crispy unless you're, I guess, a speedrunner or you're memeing. But yeah, it's not its not for normal human consumption. Well done is barely for normal human consumption. But um,
1: yeah, I touched uh, the first two levels on that difficulty. It was much harder. But like, they also, I wasn't expecting so much work put into new enemy placements. It's not just a health increase, but... You know, the the breakpoints on health in this game are so tight that, you know, I think fiddling with that too much is a mistake.
0: Yeah, so what I think we'll do is we're going to talk about this game mostly in terms of what the experience is on Lightly Broiled, which is the middle difficulty. It's a difficulty I'd recommend Everyone, play on. Even if you're a guy who always plays games on ultra violence, like for Doom, honestly, for me, Lightly Broiled was like harder than ultra violence. And Well Done is just another level beyond that. So I think that is the typical way to play this game. And then a little bit at the end, I might talk about the different kind of experience Well Done offers. I do think it's interesting. It's almost like a challenge mode. So I'll talk a bit about that. But I think for most people, Lightly Broiled is a difficulty you should play on. Before we get into talking about the game itself, just a little bit about us. James and I make up the Retrospectors podcast. What we do each and every three weeks is we play through a classic game of the past that's at least 15 years old with the intention of evaluating it from a modern perspective. What that means is that we're not interested in the historical relevance of the title really we're not interested in understanding this game in the context in which it was produced and we're definitely not trying to have a nostalgia trip we're here to critique the game as if it was released today just like any other game in some ways this is an unfair standard of criticism you know because of the advent of all of the technological advances that have come but in our you know time doing over 100 episodes of this show we found that uh Just as often that games, well, some of these games are worse than than the new games, but just as often they are just as good and in some cases even better than what is being made today. And I think that nothing makes this truer than the indie revolution we are seeing where people are tapping into these old game designs to create new experiences uh, that, I guess, preserve a lot of these old school design principles while adding a twist to it. So sometimes old is not worse. And so reviewing it from a modern perspective to us is a completely valid way of doing things. So let's talk a bit about Blood, James. So Blood, as I said, is a build engine first person shooter. It was developed by Monolith and was first released in 1997 for DOS and Windows. This game technically has a story, Uh, there is information in the manual and on their website about what that story is. I think for most people, the important thing is that you are a gunslinger by the name of Caleb who is in a cult, who gets betrayed and buried, and the game starts with you rising from the grave intent on revenge. And I think that's really all that matters from a story perspective. You're a badass gunslinger who's being betrayed and you're out for revenge.
1: Because you're basically like a cultist, right? Like you're a member of this god things like cult, and you were betrayed.
0: Yes, you're one of the one of the cult leaders, and you're betrayed, and you're by the I think by the god you're trying to resurrect, and so you're out to you know kill everyone after you know coming back literally from the grave. And the game starts with you rising from a grave.
1: And honestly, I'm fine with this setup. Like, it gives actual, you know, reason to go around, like, blasting, like, literally everything you see. Um, although, I think the game's presentation is kind of on two minds on how they present this. Like, I think this game's visuals are really great, and we'll get to that. But the initial lead up to the start of the story starts with this cutscene that, when it began, my, like, I just, it just hurt. The cutscenes in this game are really, really quite dated at this point. They're atrocious, um, and everything is so bad. They're
0: not even like enjoyable from a you know, oh, this is a interesting kind of aesthetic kind of way. Uh, James, when we were talking about this, you said that they're as bad as Ecstatica. and to me, this is worse than Ecstatica. Because at least Ecstatica has a unique, interesting kind of aesthetic. This is just horrific and not in the way that you want a horror game to be
1: it, it's pretty frustrating the bulk of the game takes place in this as you said 2.5d art style that i think actually holds up really well um, all of the monsters and your weapon animations are great and they look awesome to this day in fact that's why i picked this game to play because i was so impressed but yeah the the, the 3d cutscenes i felt like they probably decided it was too much time and money to you know, do it all in the same art style as the rest of the game. And so they've got this like cost cutting, uh, clay, you know, looking 3D models with not a lot of detail on them. Uh, it's just, quite, yeah, it's not a great way to start your game.
0: Yeah, it looks worse than Quake, looks worse than Unreal for sure. Um, where, yeah, basically every time this game's in a cutscene, it looks ridiculous and completely undermines any kind of emotional moment or crazy good moment the game is trying to make. Uh, Duke Duke 3D is more cartoony look uh, in its 3D cutscenes. Definitely looks better than
1: this. I was fine with the story setup. The main character a bit of an edge lord that I didn't really care for that much. And I like the voice like,
0: actor though. Like I, I think that yeah, there's this there's he does this, a this, good like, job. Sardonic hiss to his tone that that actually makes me like the character more than dislike him
1: yeah the fact that he speaks in like 90% old movie references that I didn't get half of them it didn't really help I don't think you know this game's plot or narrative presentation is its strong suit but like in terms of visual presentation like I love this game right
0: I do think that that is an interesting thing about the plot and this is something that I think is true of all these build engine games I haven't played Shadow Warrior but I believe it's kind of the same. Where you have this rough plot, but it's more like a vessel to have a bunch of references, and I think Blood maybe even uh, more this than game's two, three D. borderlands. It kind of like uh, it, it is. It is obsessed with eighties and nineties like horror and slasher films, and from the level design to the um to little Easter eggs you see to the lines Caleb says, it's just all references. So it's less about the journey that Caleb is going on and more about each, I guess, playground being a reference to something from, from the you know era in which it was produced. Um, and I know, James, it's kind of weird because neither you or I are massive horror or slasher fans. I'm aware of a lot of these references just because of how many times I've seen them referenced in other things like uh, Freddy Krueger, for example, is, is referenced in so many things, you know, The Simpsons and so on and so forth, that I'm aware of the character, even if I've never seen the films. But this is one of the areas of the game in which from a modern perspective if you're not from this era if you didn't watch 90s era simpsons and seinfeld and whatever you will have no idea about any of these references and this will go completely over your head
1: yeah i didn't really get much out of it honestly like Mm. and it was never like so painful that it took away from the game or anything like and honestly like my feelings on the plot and the story were already so like whatever could they could have been saying anything i wouldn't really be paying attention to be honest like I'm here for the gameplay, Uh, everything else is just like window dressing.
0: I basically agree with you and you're right it's not in your face it's not like someone's speaking to you on an audio log for two minutes right it's just in the environment it's like design. long line
1: of dialogue it doesn't take control away from the player yeah. or anything like it's not intrusive yeah but, it's fine
0: but it's definitely worth noting like if if you are from this era where if you grew up in the 80s or 90s or you know just grew up consuming media in the 80s and 90s uh, any media then you're going to get a little bit extra out of this if you're you know a young millennial who has no idea about any of this shit you're not going to get any of it and i think that's fine because the game isn't about the story but it's just definitely worth noting james mm. you mentioned your appreciation from the pixel art uh a couple of times now uh, tell us a bit about it
1: yeah so it's not like there's a heap of like animation in the art it's just like there's enough frames that every action you take in the game generally feels pretty good like From you holding a stick of dynamite and lighting it to throwing, there's not like a heap of animation there. Like he doesn't twist his hand and set the dynamite on fire and then throw it. There's like three or four frames of him throwing it forward. But all of the art is really well drawn. Like in, you know, strikingly high detail with good shadows and that kind of thing. So just visually, like it tends to be pretty impressive, like way better than something like, you know doom and obviously and quake and that kind of thing Mm. um and normally that extends to the enemies as well right like they don't have you know they walk around and they shamble and they attack you they don't have a ton of unique frames but the frames that they do have are really striking which really i think helps sell it um and keeps like the visual clutter of what's going on kind of to a minimum
0: I want to shout out the death animations once again. Ever since we've played Diablo 1, uh, and it's funny, it's all kind of around this area because the other game that comes to mind is Fallout. It's like Fallout. The Fallout Fallout games, yeah. The death animations they do on the enemies in this game is just as good as Diablo and Fallout 1. The way enemies, when you light them on fire, run around burning, the way when you kind of like uh explode them they kind of like eviscerate and what's very cool even though i didn't do this with all the enemies they all have a unique animation for the voodoo doll killing them and it's yeah it's always sickeningly beautiful
1: all have a unique sound effect or animation for basically every different weapon like the, the zombies will die differently depending on what guns you shoot them. They'll make different noise that indicates what gun killed them. Mm. Like the sound effects specifically in this game I want to call out has been exceptional. Like the your primary weapon or like your starting we- weapon kind of is this flare gun which kind of takes the role of single shot pistol in other games. But unlike those we- uh, games, the flare gun shoots one flare which, you know, hits an enemy and then does continuous burning damage over time. So the kind of gameplay pattern is you kind of like shoot an enemy, duck around a corner, wait five seconds, and then you hear them screaming in pain after they've died from being set on fire.
0: And I remember what that sound is exactly like. It's embedded in my head, that screaming noise they make.
1: And there's like actually two or three I think audio files for maybe each death, so it doesn't get too repetitive and you know while still telling you exactly what's going on around a corner uh the same for like throwing dynamite into a cluster of people and they all yell something different at the same time. Uh, and you get a bit of screen shake and you know it feels very impactful like i think the animations the sound and like the feedback from shooting killing and hitting things is just really good here Um, and that's super important because it's like 99 it's like 100 percent basically of what you're doing in this game is you know using your guns on dudes like it just they put the effort you know where it really mattered
0: the audio design i completely agree with you it absolutely slaps like every single gun noise is like embedded in my mind that shotgun blast I can imagine it. All the enemy death noises, I can imagine it. And as you said, there's gameplay value to a lot of these things as well because of how kind of skirmishy you have to play with corners in this game. This isn't like Doom where you can just circle strafe in the open and eventually kill everything and you'll be fine. Or like Quake, you know, there are games that are heavily projectile based. Uh, You know, modern one would be Dusk. This is not like that. The hit scanners are by far the deadliest enemy, and the game is filled to the brim with them. So you have to play a bit more carefully. And they're the
1: most common by far, too. Yeah, right. So, yeah. so
0: getting that audio information about, you know, enemies being lit on fire is absolutely critical, particularly in those early levels where you're. Weapon options of Ripple Limited. Overall, I think that the aesthetic... Oh, the other thing I want to talk about is the level design, not from a gameplay point of view, but from an aesthetic point of view, because it's very different from the abstract spaces of Doom and Quake. Quake, And even even Unreal... in terms of what it's trying to accomplish
1: uh i think unreal kind of did hit that point where the places you were going to sort of made sense like in doom and quake if you put me into a random level i would not be able to work out like what that level's purpose in the over in the world is is this a factory or a facility for something specific right um i think Blood kind of hits this great middle ground where the play spaces are still abstract enough that the level design doesn't really, um, it doesn't make compromises on the design for the story's purpose. Like if the game needs to have a weird corridor or a weird room that doesn't make sense to make the gameplay better, it'll do that. Mm. But at the same time, every single level has like a theme that is instantly and understandable and recognizable. And each level naturally leads into the next. There is a level on a moving train. Uh, at the end of the level, the train crashes into a carnival and the next level starts at the carnival, right? Whereas mm. in Doom... I feel like I was just going through uh, a bunch of randomly stitched together levels that didn't really naturally lead into each other. Here, I really like this middle ground um, where like a modern game would be almost completely realistic with, you know, clutter everywhere, actual rooms. I think modern games do this thing where they include story rooms. Like if you're in a house, like they'll make the house a real house even at the detriment of the gameplay, like there'll be rooms that have no purpose, that kind of thing. Mm. This game isn't like that at all. It's all gameplay focused with just enough to keep you immersed uh, in, you know, the design visually. Yeah, the way I describe it
0: is it's like on the right side of Uncanny Valley. It's in the Canyon Valley. So while these places aren't literally real places, it feels real when you're playing it through. And you're like, yeah, there's the library and there's... You know, this is the kitchen and so on and so forth. And you don't stop to think about how these places would actually function. It gets close enough that you get immersed in these spaces. Um, I think this is something that is famous for for the build engine games in this era, because all these build engine games were pre-Half-Life 1 which really did try to sell, I guess, a realistic space, even though it had some absolutely bizarre science experiments going on. Uh, And it, compared to particularly Quake and Doom, I think did a good job of recreating real locations. Unreal, the spaces do feel real, but it's mostly big ancient temples, right? Blood tries to recreate blood tries to recreate places which you might go in real life like a train station you know or a um or a or a butchery or whatever
1: and they do a good job of the window dressing too like one thing i noticed they did pretty consistently is when you entered a large building the reception area Mm. generally had a reception desk with two cultists sitting behind it ready to shoot you (laughs) Or there'll be like chairs, or a bin, or some clocks on the walls, that kind of thing. Like there's there's just enough that hmm. it really you know lifts up you know the window dressing. Um, and again, doesn't compromise on the gameplay.
0: Yeah. So basically, from a presentation point of view, I think Blood is really, really strong. Yeah. The place, the places where it gets let down are those cutscenes and perhaps the the incredible. I guess the the story. I guess is the story in inverted commas is carried by these references as you move from mission to mission. And I think you just get a little bit of extra out of coming from this era and understanding those references, you know, whether it's a half smile on your face or not, uh, you're just not going to get that if you, if you didn't grow up in that era. And I think that that is uh, a detriment, you know, you're not, you're not getting everything you possibly can from the levels.
1: Yeah, I would say that, like, for me, maybe the one thing that was, like, lacking was that although the levels kind of strung together naturally, the game wasn't really giving you a reason as to why you were heading in a certain direction, other than I was looking for this person. I guess the idea is that the main character just knows which way to go, um, but you don't really like learn anything you don't round these corners to see this like set piece that has a big reveal implied or anything like that mm. like you don't really get any of these juicy details so i think the way like the levels try to represent the broader narrative is actually quite poor but like the moment to moment like i'm in this level uh, and now this is happening, like I'm at the carnival, and there are carnival games you can actually play with the f p s mechanics, like all oh, that's great, um, it's that I just think it does a really poor job of framing the broader narrative,
0: yeah, each level is just kill all the dudes and get to the end ultimately, yep. and that's all you really care about,
1: and that's fine from a gameplay point of view, which I think i'd I'd like to talk on that about that now because I thought it was really good, actually, and I probably. Go so far as to say this was like ah, uh, uh, it's not even hard. like I easily think this is my favorite of the like retro kind of boomer shooters that we've done on the show. like I vastly prefer this to like both dooms and quake. and I think it's down to the excellent weapon selection basically and the variety of enemies that you fight against. I think that the fact that, as we mentioned, this game is filled with hit scanning enemies actually gives it a really different feel to those other older titles like doom for example where you know you really have to make use of corners and bouncing projectiles and that kind of thing to have any success i believe on the higher difficulties because um like the way the hit scanners work in this game is that they kind of lock they like take a moment to lock onto you. There's
0: an acquisition time. They they don't shoot you instantly, but they shoot you pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, they turn to you, they acquire a lock, and then sometime later, depending on the difficulty, they shoot at the point they locked onto. But like during that time like after they've acquired, you know, the location, if you move they don't like track you so they'll shoot where you were standing a split second ago if you're moving fast enough and i don't think that's actually relevant for the difficulty you played on but for me it kind of meant like if i was moving completely perpendicular to cultists i could get past them without getting shot sometimes oh, right. uh, doubly so if i was like crouching and jumping that kind of thing um But it also means you can like peek corners pretty effectively too without taking guaranteed damage. And I think this is super important to talk about early because one of the best weapons in the game and you know the best looking weapons in the game too is this stick of dynamite which you can throw and bounce off walls.
0: To me this is the defining weapon of blood in the same way that to me the grenade launcher is the defining weapon in quake.
1: Yeah yeah it's really about like scouting rooms and throwing grenades off corners um, to try and hit as many as you can and then like clearing up the rest with whatever weapon you know you choose basically right so,
0: so let's let's drill down on this weapon because I think it is, It's important to understand how the dynamite works, which is that you hold down a button to determine the strength at which you're throwing it. And of course, you can angle it and aim where you're throwing it. And the longer you hold down, the further you're going to throw it. You can also throw it for a direct hit if you just use the left click, but the right click is what you're going to be using a lot. And I think the thing that makes this such an amazing weapon is the fact that it's a, it's uniting both the tactical application of it uh, that is deciding when to use it and how to use it with the execution element that is holding it, I guess, aiming it at the right angle and aiming it with the right amount of power. So not only is it a weapon that rewards you for using it tactically in the right situation, it's a weapon that you get better and more skillful at using over the course of the game. So it's very satisfying to get better at both skills, your tactical awareness and the skillfulness of the execution over the course of your playtime.
1: Yeah, and it's not, and it's definitely not always correct to just use the dynamite because it does have, you know, you can kill yourself with it if you throw it too close B- to you. Big splash damage for sure. Yeah. There's a risk when you use it. Yeah, it's got a really satisfying sound effect. And it's important to note that kind of the way the explosion works is that it does like multiple ticks of damage as you throw it. It's not just like one explosion. It's like multiple really fast. It's explosions. an expanding
0: circle of damage. Yeah,
1: yeah. That damages on each tick, basically. So what that kind of means is that enemies in the center of the blast will take more damage because they get hit by the blast multiple times as it expands and it's also Uh, got
0: knockback so enemies on the edge can be knocked away from the explosion
1: yeah or off cliffs which gives it like even more tactical like appeal um and you know as we said that expanding explosion means that direct hits basically will kill anything but you have to actually land that hit one of the things that i really really liked about playing this game on lightly broiled was that there were breakpoints in enemies' HP that were specifically designed around the weapons you had. For example, the normal zombie and both varieties of cultists would always die in one hit to a flare. Um, there was a very also there was a very tanky flying enemy that was kind of like hard to hit, um, but and it had heaps of health but if you were able to land a direct hit with the dynamite it would die in one shot mm. um, whereas it wouldn't die if you threw the dynamite and it landed next to it um, and i think all of the enemies have these like very specific breakpoints that make you know fighting them uh feel really good like the zombies will die to one shot from the double barrel shotguns you know shooting both barrels at once but only if you're like basically on top of them um And kind of like learning these breakpoints and getting to know the weapons is like a big part of the game. I think it's also very cool
0: that the roster of weapons is, it almost feels specifically designed to deal with the hitscan heavy nature of blood. If you were to put the dynamite in Doom, it would be way less useful because Doom is a lot more about circle strafing around multiple enemies, right? Yeah. In Blood, you really need to avoid getting hit by hit scanners out in the open, so the dynamite all of a sudden has this massive utility that it didn't otherwise have. Um, this, the flare gun plays kind of similarly, in that you're kind of sniping enemies and then ducking back into cover. For me, James, I know you were less impressed by it, but for me, Blood's shotgun is my favorite shotgun in any game ever
1: it was the weapon i used the most like i thought of that as my like default weapon basically when i wasn't using anything else
0: i think the key to this weapon because it's like a a sword off uh shotgun so it's a very close range shotgun uh you can't use it in the same way or as uh doom as like a medium range-ish weapon it's very much you want to get in their face to get the max value out of this you can shoot one bullet or you know shoot both barrels quickly but the thing that makes this gun so great apart from the audio design is how quickly caleb reloads it it does a shitload of damage at close range and he reloads it almost instantaneously like you would expect a gunslinger he's just like bum bum ready to fire the next shot and so it doesn't have that same kind of like slow methodical you know crunch crunch of the doom 2 shotgun it's more just like bam bam Bam! Like you can shoot it quite quickly. Yeah, and it's very satisfying to use. I love this shotgun so much.
1: Yeah, one thing that the game does really well is that each gun has uh, two modes of fire, and generally mm. both modes are quite useful and in different situations. The flare gun, for example, shoots you know that single flare. The right click consumes like, is it like five? It's eight 12. It's like it, eight to it, 12. It, it's a a lot quite of a high ammo. number. Yeah, and they all explode instantly instead of burning slowly. And you can basically like fire that right click into a big group and it'll just kill like everything. Like Hmm. it's almost like shooting a rocket, uh, but the chance of friendly fire, you know, hitting yourself is quite high. I actually found that whenever I was low on shotgun ammo, like if you press right click when you have no shotgun, it'll switch to the flare and use the flare's right click. (laughs) And because I'm always in melee with the shotgun, like I just set myself on fire by accident, like all the time, so bad. Yeah, Um,
0: those alternate fires are are quite good. And just like broadly speaking, I think this is one of the things that this game does better than Unreal. Like we ragged on Unreal a lot in our episode. We both didn't like it very much. And I think one of the the reasons for it is that the weapons ended up feeling kind of samey because it felt like that game was designed for multiplayer and it wanted to have a well-balanced roster of weapons that were all pretty effective uh, in all situations. Not, not the same, but kind of samey. Blood does not feel like that at all. The weapons all feel like they occupy a niche in your arsenal, and you can usually find a reason uh, in a situation where one specific weapon is better than the rest. And I think that the number of weapons is comparable to Unreal as well. So I I think... I would
1: say I would compare the weapon selection in this game to Halo 1, I guess, where um, every weapon feels like it has a time and place where it's more useful than any other weapon but at the same time it's not like it's not quite rock paper scissors it's more like in each given situation one gun might be 30 percent better than the other options right so Mm -hmm. you're never really locked into using one gun like against certain enemies like the only exception to this are the hell dogs that are kind of immune to fire damage so you need to use like your you know, your metal bullet weapons. Oh, but... I use the
0: plasma, plasma rifle a lot against them. That's just, I
1: mean, that, that gun's good against
0: everything, but it's, it's kind of like your, your you know... Demon killer thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, but like every gun is useful in every situation to some extent while being, like, feeling really good to use in others. So you've got that, like, puzzle aspect without it. You know, it doesn't force you to use guns you don't want to use, right? For example, you've got the voodoo doll which is basically a sniper rifle on a lot of, in a lot yeah. of
0: situations. Very, very useful against those cultists sniping you from across the map with their Tommy guns, which are you know, still do a ludicrous amount of damage uh, despite the range. Um, yeah, the weapon roster here is just fantastic. It, 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 it's, it's really, really good. And I think that when you first start playing, because definitely on those first couple of missions, uh, it almost plays like a survival horror game. In how limited your resources and options feel and how deadly the enemies are and how kind of janky it feels. You can't just run in there and kill everything because the flare gun and the TNT are not generic weapons like the shotgun and the the machine gun, which can just kind of shoot. But those are the tools you have uh, and you just have to do the, you know, you have to maximize their usefulness to the best of your ability
1: yeah so i would say they all the guns have great visual and sound design they're all thematically interesting like uh the dynamite the flare gun the super shock gun there's a spray can which you basically just spray through a lighter to make a flamethrower they're Um, memorable right um, there's, there's a voodoo doll that you stab and if you're not aiming at something you accidentally stab your hand um yeah like i'd agree with that right like i think this game's pistol the flare gun my favorite pistol in any shooter basically like it's way more interesting visually and tactically than just your normal like single shot doom pistol or whatever mm-hmm.
0: well even the shotgun is more interesting because of how short range it actually is right you yeah. can't you can't really use it at mean you kind of can use it at medium range but it feels like you're just wasting ammo you're very much encouraged to get up and close and literally right in their face to, uh, to make sure you're conserving your ammo properly.
1: 10 out of 10 for weapon roster. Honestly, it's sick. I love it. Um, definitely my favorite part of the game. It's just like, they're all just fun to use in their own way. I did have one question. Mm. What was the use for the life leech other than it's sick right click?
0: So apparently, so I, I know a little bit about this. In the original version of the game, uh, it would le- leech life, so when you did damage to oh, enemies, it would it would, it would heal you. But then they changed it so that if you have no ammo for it, it would use your life as ammo. Right. Uh, okay. It also sets things on fire. So I mean, it, I mean, setting things on fire is always always a good thing to deal with, you know, zombies and cultists and so on and so forth. Hmm. I found the life staff to be mostly useless like i might i might throw down the right click in in fights but even then uh, it still didn't feel like it was doing
1: yeah like i used it against like when they brought bosses out you just put it down next to the spider or whatever and it will kill it Um, yeah uh,
0: in in general yeah life the life leech uh thematically it kind of looks cool but i found it less useful than most of the other weapons and truth be told i only busted out you know, uh, very rarely, and it was always just to drop the right click, so I could use more effective weapons and hopefully just get get a bit of extra free damage in.
1: This game almost has too many weapons. I think it was like bordering on that. Like, I oh, think when, you, when you when weapon- you get the
0: extra dynamites, it does start to feel a bit overwhelming because they all occupy. Um, yeah, they all they all play slightly differently, but to be honest, bouncing the original dynamite yeah, would be fine. Felt- I, I don't think those other two dynamites were necessary. necessary. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think they just cluttered the weapon wheel, honestly, which, yeah. you know, once you have more than 10 weapons, it's, you, you have to use <laughs> scroll or something to access them. Uh. <laughs>
0: yeah, but that, that aside, I think, yeah, cut those other two dynamites out and it's pretty close to ideal. Music break, James?
1: Yeah, sure. So I was actually very whatever about the soundtrack. Like, I don't remember much of any of it. Um Like, the sound effects are all burnt into my brain, but it's like... I found the soundtrack to be some pretty low-tier ambient droning, honestly. Like, we've covered so much ambient droning on this show that this one just... It doesn't compare to some of the games we've covered, right? Like, Thief and stuff.
0: I, I think it's underwhelming. I do think a big part of this is that the atmosphere of Blood, you could say, is a bit conflicted. Because... It is a horror game, you know, with all these horrible things happening, you know, the cultists and blood sacrifice and it's got all these horrific references to other terrible, scary movies. But the, the actual main character's atmosphere... a fucking
1: doom guy badass. Like he's not scared of anything, right?
0: Yeah, and I think that the spirit of blood is cheesy fun. Like this is a game that is riffing off it in a in an in a, game, in a way that is purely entertainment-driven. The game doesn't want you to be scared. The game wants you to be having a good old time. And this is one of the areas where I think Duke 3D actually clearly outclasses blood in its soundtrack because the soundtrack of Duke 3D is, is you know, a lot more action-orientated, and that game is an action video game. This is an action video game, but it it's soundtrack doesn't, doesn't match that at all. Like, ambient yeah. droning is not a good fit for the atmosphere of this game, even though thematically it is. When you're actually playing this video game, you are not, it's not a survival horror game. You're a badass action hero fragging heaps of cultists and demons.
1: It needed more high tempo tracks. And I think the tracks need to be filled with like cheesy shit, like church bells and like rattling bones and that kind of thing. For like, sure, it needs for to sure. To be yeah. like really, really stupid and cheesy, but also more high tempo because you are like, z- you go so fast in this game. When I the way first started you playing. Yeah, when I first started playing, I was like, this is almost too fast. And I was using shift to slow it down because I was having trouble controlling it. And then by the end, you're pretty good and you can just like speed around and it's great. And the slow ambience is just like not matching what's happening on screen, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, so I don't think this is an instance of like a soundtrack being bad. It's just a very poor fit for the gameplay. It doesn't match the gameplay, and so as a result, you don't. I didn't really get anything out of it. the exemplary sound design. All of the, you know, weapon blasts and cultists being alerted and dying and zombie groans—they're all imprinted into my head, clear as clear as day. But. The soundtrack itself, for me, was largely forgettable.
1: Turn the music down and put your own sound music on, honestly, while playing. This wow! <laughs> Imagine doing that, Jens. I would never do that. Yeah, this is the fir- one of the first times where I think, it- honestly, like it's not bad. Like, no, I it's not bad. It's I- not I- like I spent the whole game being like, I hate this soundtrack. It's awful. It's just kind of like forgettable, right? Yeah, like, it's forgettable. It's not yeah. offensive or anything. Yeah. So, which one of these uh totally memorable tracks? Did you pick for us, Pat?
0: I picked Infuscamus. There's a bit in the middle that I quite like. Uh, I'm probably saying that wrong as well.
1: That actually does have a few bits that are nice. Actually, like that's definitely the best song on the soundtrack, I think, by like a long shot. And it's not even close. So uh, maybe when we play this one, people will disagree with us. But if you listen to the rest of the OST, you know it's not it's not great. So this one is Infuscamus. Alrighty, that was in I hope I pronounced that right. Um, we want to talk a bit about the, like, level design and the enemies now?
0: 100%. Um, I actually want to start with uh, level design. I know it's a bit of an awkward segue back into enemies, but level the level design of this game, I think, is excellent. Yep. It's really, really, really good so why is it really good okay so levels
1: are small that's my favorite part of it that
0: that is a critical part of the formula the levels are i wouldn't say small maybe compact is a good way to put it in that they have a lot of meaningful spaces kind of close to one another and the transitions from space to space are also meaningful gunplay spaces Every single time you open a door into a new room, you have a combat encounter, almost always. And those combat encounters are varied with different combinations of enemies on different levels of elevations in different formations. So you have these levels that are compact with lots of meaningful uh, design space. Uh, Importantly, and this is why I think it's different to something like Quake, uh, this is kind of an aesthetic thing, but because these spaces are more aesthetically varied and mimic real places, they stick in your memory a lot better. So you don't yeah. get confused or lost as to what these spaces look like. They imprint upon your brain and you have a very good conceptual understanding of how all these spaces fit together as you make your way through some of these quite complex levels
1: it's got this like looping level design sometimes that we've discussed so much on this show and we love to bits where the levels like often a wall will explode and loop you back to the start of the level where there is now a door you can get through that you couldn't before Um, you've got lots of use of verticality that's really good and the verticality is very well placed and tailored to the player's ability to move like in the first level there is a church that you enter is it a church it's like it's like a
0: a, i don't know an old memorial building building old folks home it's got it's got it's got some pews in it and a bunch of uh A bunch of uh graves out at the back
1: yeah and the 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 chairs you can like jump on them and then you'll have exactly enough vertical jump distance to get onto you know the upper level of the room like there's stuff like that everywhere where they've specifically put things for you to platform on or jump on if you're playing the level a second time and you figure it out but you don't need to notice that on your first playthrough the levels are Uh,
0: non-linear This is not a linear game. Now, there are choke points. To some degree. Well, yeah, yeah, you need to get keys to open certain doors. But I would say most levels, that is more than 50%, have multiple ways to proceed through them. And that number goes higher if you have a pair of jump boots. Because the jump boots let you break the intended level progression even more. A way to think about it is, you know how when we played Quake, there were a bunch of places where you could uh, use a grenade launcher or a rocket to skip parts of the level, and that was unintentional. Like that, that hadn't really entered the developer's mind. Blood is aware of this, and the jump boot, and the jump boots is a way to proceed through the levels in different ways, but it doesn't try to stop the player from sequence breaking and exploring these levels in different ways it just says yeah this is part of the game if you're savvy enough to spot that this is a path through the game then absolutely go for
1: it yeah there's also just like secrets everywhere right Mm -hmm. like this game is chock fill of you know paintings to press the action button on or like you know, things to jump on that will fall down and open doors, Uh, you know, walls to explode with the dynamite. They're everywhere. Each level has eight to like 15 secrets in it, which has very meaningful stuff in each area. Like they give you good ammo or power-ups or armor or bonus health, that kind of thing. And I would say that, you know, especially early on into each episode, um, finding those secrets, you have to do it because if you don't... Super impactful yeah you won't have all of the stuff you need to beat the coming levels
0: the other thing about the secrets is they never i mean they are sometimes but they a lot of the time they build into the level design as a whole because you'll be opening a path to a different area from a different angle so you'll go into a secret and then you'll open a door in that secret and it will loop back into the rest of the level in a different way and that path might be a advantageous uh, ambush angle on the cultists. You might have an angle where you're above a bookshop instead of having to come into the front door and you can toss down dynamite freely to kill a lot of them incomplete safety so you're not only being rewarded with the contents of the secret you're being rewarded with an another alternate path through the level
1: yeah it's sick like honestly there's like one or two levels in the whole game that i didn't really enjoy but i didn't like hate those levels Mm -hmm. um and And they tended to be the
0: bigger ones right the ones which were more like there's one with a hedge maze and while the concept of a hedge maze is quite cool well there's two uh, hedge maze levels like uh, yeah. there's
1: there's one like the first hedge maze level i was thought was awesome um just thematically and like the gameplay was fine and it's like the second one where there's a hedge mage surrounding a mansion and the mansion it's just huge um mm. and very easy to get lost in the big levels are less fun i thought because this game is kind of difficult and challenging and it's more fun when you get to try each level from the beginning each time and try to like manage your resources and figure out how to get to the end um the bigger levels every time you die you just like eat so much time i just could not be bothered and put saves like halfway through each one Mm -hmm. um the small like bite size meaningfully dense ones were just the best
0: I, I think that this aspect of the levels being smaller is actually something that... So there's been a couple of games that, uh, that have been inspired by these build engine shooters. Uh, the ones that come to mind are Iron Maiden, which is literally built in... Uh, oh, sorry, it's called Iron Fury now, which is literally a modern game built in the build engine, and it's, it's, it looks incredible. And uh, Cultic which I'm not sure if it was made in the build engine but definitely is aping that design style and it has levels in those games which are much 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 larger than anything in Coop 3D or or Blood and I think that that's almost a misstep or at least it it shows a misunderstanding of what made these levels so great When the levels get too big in a game like this, it becomes this weird thing where you're kind of sniping enemies from a distance and trying to take on enemies one at a time. When the levels are much smaller and more contained, it feels like you're taking on these encounters against groups of enemies uh, in in a more meaningful, enjoyable way. You're not getting as lost. Uh, You're... You're getting through the levels faster and getting onto something new and fresh than spending ages traversing empty space. I think this level design that we see in Blood is something that's done better than the modern games that were inspired by them. And uh, I think that more than anything else, like obviously we've talked really high on the weapon roster and the enemy design, I think i think the modern games do that just as well but the level design of blood is still heads and shoulders above uh its contemporaries and i just really want to say that this is my favorite part of the game by far
1: yeah it's really good um there are some levels like i think it's the first level in episode three the city where it's just like a roller coaster of like Wondering what's going yeah, to happen next. And you're just opening up the map in weird and interesting ways. It,
0: that's the one where you like start in an apartment, right? And you just gradually get yeah, down to start, the city like, streets.
1: Yeah, you start on the streets and then you like go up. And then you blow up holes in the difference. And you can jump between the skyscrapers, kind yeah. of. Yeah, I thought that one was like probably my favorite level. Um, I also liked the start of uh was it act two the on the boat where yeah you roll in on the boat on the boat that was sick as well um one of the mansion levels was quite good the one that's it's actually one of the long ones with and the
0: secret passages in the painting like that that yeah there's like a secret passage the in the mansion right so yeah. you kind of can keep jumping in and out of these secret passages as an alternate way to explore through the mansion
1: yeah i think um most of like the middle section of the levels were the strongest. Like Act One, the first level was really good, and then it's like okay for it's like pretty good. I liked the carnival a lot. Um and you and kind of get
0: to more temple mansion-y kind of places. Yeah, and
1: then once act two rolls around, it's just like all cylinders firing on the level design. It's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, Act Two is Act Two is great. Um, Act Three is a bit more mixed. Uh, I think by the end of Act 3, I was starting to get a bit fatigued. (laughs) Yeah, it's almost
1: too long, I think. I think you could have cut maybe three, four levels out, and it probably would have been fine. Um, Yeah, this is
0: a four-act game, whereas typically with these shooters, they were three acts long. Like three acts, yeah. yeah.
1: To wrap back to enemies then, how did you feel about the enemy roster compared to... I guess, like, to me, Doom's the best comparison point um, for the roster... I really liked the hit scanners and the impact on the way the game was designed. Actually, I think most games with hit scan enemies, they can be kind of annoying. This one, it felt, you know, the game built it everything around the existence of these guys um, and they did it really well. Um, I did think that there was like a lack of, there was a boss that spawned little spiders, but like an enemy spawning mob that was more common would have been nice to kind of like force you into difficult situations. I think past the cultists, so I was kind of just like okay on most of the enemies. Basically, this
0: game lacks an arch vial. Um, I think yeah. that it lacks... So, we've talked a lot about how there's a lot of tactical play to basically dealing with the hit scanners, and the hit scanners really form the bulk of the challenge of this game. One important note about these hit scanners, and this is really essential the hit scanners deal shitloads of damage, but they're also very vulnerable. Like, they die quickly. There are tankier enemies in this game, like the gargoyles, for example, and the fat zombies. But the hit scanners die quickly, and if they didn't die quickly, if they had more health, they would be way more frustrating to deal with. If you couldn't use your dynamite to actually kill them consistently, it would be a far worse game. Yeah, um, and Doom understands this, you know with with the chain gunners as well. I do think that the tactical depth of this game is limited by Uh, most of the power being concentrated in the hit scanners though when you play and this is so i've been slowly making my way through doom custom uh custom watts and this started when i started playing plutonia experiment and i fell in love with doom all over again because it showed such a good understanding of how to maximize the doom enemies and then i've made made my way to scythe and now I'm making my way through speed of doom the tactical depth of and I guess the ingenuity of enemy placement in those custom wads is just heads and shoulders above any of the classic boomer shooters because they've by that stage they they have just such a refined understanding of how to basically put you in tight spots uh, Blood is not really like that and no no classic shooter really is. It It's not, you know, carefully sculpting these combat encounters to put you through the grinder and make you panic. And I think that that means that the game does start to get a little repetitive with how yeah. you play it because there's just no real change to the essential dynamics of the combat you're always using dynamite to clear corners you're always using the shotgun in close combat and I do think that over the course of a playthrough you are developing all these skills so that that's a that's a fine thing but on this second playthrough I did I did start to notice that the gameplay scenarios did start to play out in mostly the same way because it's no it's not trying to screw you over with the enemies. It's just, you know, presenting a normal progressive challenge throughout the levels.
1: Yeah, I think that, like, the challenge kind of plateaus by Act 2 and then is just kind of, like, flat for the rest of the game. Yes. You do get stronger weapons, which allows them to throw more enemies at you, but it doesn't feel like the challenge is ramping up a heap after that point. Like, once you've got past Act 2, it is completely flat, I think, and you're not really... You know they throw the dogs in and the ghosts, which require the
0: ghosts are hard. Like sorry, the dogs the dogs are tricky. You know they run at you pretty quickly, so you have to be backing up uh, to avoid their close range attacks.
1: But the game isn't progressively throwing new configurations of enemies at you that constantly make you reconsider your tactics or anything. You're not like learning like you've throwing the dynamite a lot at this point but it's mm. not throwing completely new situations after you from every single room and i do think that that is one big weakness of the game because near the end i was pretty fatigued with like fighting 10 million zombies and cultists and mm. the flying gargoyles like i just killed every enemy like a hundred thousand times, right? Um.
0: Yeah, and when you look at Doom, you have the Mancubus, which is a fairly tanky enemy that shoots projectiles at you—you you know, two at once in a pattern of three. You have the the Revenant that's shooting a track—you know, a missile that moves pretty slowly in comparison to the others, but kind of tracks you. Uh, you have the aforementioned archvile which if you don't prioritize, will start resurrecting dead enemies. And these all, depending on where they are and what combination they're in. You're, you're kind of forced to go on the offensive, but, you know, carefully so you don't die. There's this movement you do in Doom. It's kind of hard to describe, but you need to move in a particular rhythm uh, to avoid enemy fire while still engaging the enemies uh, properly with your, with your own rockets and super shotgun blasts with all these various projectiles. this There's this weird rhythm to your movement as you weave in and out of projectiles. And Blood just doesn't have that. And I don't even know if it has the capacity to have that because of the focus around hit scanners that this game has. It's not hit scanners plus projectiles that, that are in different combinations. It's really the hit scanners are the primary threat, the thing that you care about 80% of the time And then there's some smaller ancillary threats on the side.
1: Yeah, I really would have liked to have seen uh, projectile enemies at all. Um, Or, like, you know, there's stuff like the imps in Doom. Uh, There's enemies like the guys with shields and halo. They could have done more with the enemy roster. I do think it's probably one of the weaker parts of the game. The thing is, though, the weapon roster is so strong that it's fun to shoot these guys. Like. Even though it's not the best enemy roster and the enemies aren't used in the best way, the moment-to-moment gameplay with the level design and the weapons is so fun at a baseline that it doesn't matter too much. You're just, you know, you're happy to throw these weapons at like literally anything.
0: That's that's actually a really good way to put it. The level design is really good. The weapon design is really good. And it was designed around the strength of the hit scanners. It's just that that fundamental gameplay can't evolve too deeply because the dynamic of those weapons versus hit scanners never gets any more complicated. Yeah. But I agree with you. It's so fun to use these weapons that you don't even mind that much. And I, I don't want to sell this game too short. Like, it does use elevation and ambushes uh, to get you, uh, but it's more about very deliberate scouting with the, with the dynamite than it is, I guess, be playing reactively. This isn't a game that you play... Reactively, and if you are playing reactively, you're in a lot of trouble. You really need to be proactively scouting and using your weapons efficiently in the right situation. (laughs) If you get into the middle of a room and you're surrounded by hit scanners, you are just going to die. Yeah, like you're just going (laughs) to die. You cannot recover from that situation
1: yeah it's more methodical and like tactical yes um than anything i think and that's good i really liked that it gives it a unique
0: that. flavor right like yeah it's it's unlike uh it's unlike other games we've played
1: pretty pretty damn happy gameplay wise from this one um mm-hmm. i wanted to take a brief moment to talk about the bosses because i think they're quite bad Shitty, um, yeah. there's like four of them and they're all basically just like a big enemy with lots of health they don't feel like they do anything super special the first enemy is just a reskin of the gargoyle but with 10 times as much hp the spider boss you know is just a normal sized enemy that spawns spiders i wish they'd use this more often because i think it can lead to interesting combat We really only see it reused near the end of the game and only very you know occasionally cerberus Sorry, I just stacked motion sensor dynamite on top of it and <laughs> led, led him onto it and he, got, you know, he just died. And then the final boss, there's like a bit of a puzzle aspect to it. You can kind of make the bosses fight each other, but they're all kind of underwhelming. They don't do any, they don't have cool, you know, attacks. They don't have voice lines. They don't really do anything like super interesting.
0: Yeah, th- this is something that I think uh, the modern uh, takes on these shooters has a hundred percent eclipsed uh mid evils bosses are so much better than this ultra kill for anyone who's played that the bosses are so much better than this i think boss design is the one area where fps games is just like skyrocketed so far above these classic designs on bosses because they've kind of learned from (laughs) action games i guess to incorporate things like damage zones on the ground and tracking attacks and all these different ways uh in which to endanger the player in a way that they can react to the bosses from this game as james said are just enemies with a lot of hp with high damaging attacks apart from that they may as well be a normal enemy and uh yeah you just empty hundreds of thousands of bullets into them until they eventually die
1: uh yeah I, i do think there is like space in the genre for bosses that aren't like super cinematic and flashy but are just like a hard enemy that eventually becomes a normal enemy um but like i think when you just have a level dedicated to this one enemy you need to do something with the level design to like enhance this boss um that you know probably isn't going to be present when you use it as a normal enemy you know like the arenas you fight these things in aren't super interesting uh yeah it's just kind of disappointing that each of the episodes kind of capped out with like what ended up being pretty boring encounters where you just fed like 20 rockets into them and you weren't really in threat of dying yeah i
0: just i just keep thinking of like just how good the bosses are in ultra kill like they ultra kill is a great game by the way that everyone should play it's it's a bloody it's it's like a fps on crack it feels nuts uh you know you die very easily but you will immediately restart the encounter against the boss when you can and i remember there was one boss against a guy called v2 and like he had dash attacks where he'd charge into you and sniping attacks where you had to dash sideways to avoid his fire and you had to jump at certain times to avoid shockwaves on the ground and it's this like fast crazy encounter where you're super vulnerable and he's super agile it took me like 27 tries <laughs> to beat him but it was really fun the entire way through this game has none of that it's it's not even it's not even close and in some ways i i yeah i just don't like these bosses at all uh they're just an annoying obstacle to go over and they're considerably worse than just if they weren't here the game would be better for it like that's how how bad they are in my mind if you just progress through the levels normally and they cut these boss levels it would be a more enjoyable experience overall
1: yeah i kind of agree um but like you know there's not many of them they don't last too long they
0: do give the thematic climax to each episode yes
1: yeah so you know whatever it doesn't hurt the experience too much um I'm pretty much at the end of my notes. Did you have anything else to touch on?
0: Yeah. So before we wrap up, I did want to talk a bit about my experience playing on the well done difficulty. Uh, and the reason I played on the dis difficulty is because I'd played on the lightly broad difficulty like James did this time last year. It was like, I was like, let's step it up and deal with this challenge. Um, this difficulty is interesting. So, the problem with this difficulty is that the hit scanners have an almost instantaneous acquisition rate. And particularly the dark-robed cultists, there are two types, one with, ones with shotguns and one with uh, tommy guns. The tommy gun ones are absolutely deadly. If you wander out into the open and there are two... Cultus with tommy guns and you have 100 hp you will die in the space of two seconds if they if they get a beat on you and they get a beat on you very quickly it's to the point where you basically have to pre-fire as you come around the corner to to get it like to kill them and even then they may still get some damage on you this kind of changes the dynamic of the gameplay or i guess exaggerates it towards playing super tactically and always using dynamite because you can't safely strafe into the open at all and while that is kind of true of the lightly broiled difficulty here it's it's just turned up to 11. it becomes very 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 hard to go into the open uh what i was trying to do is basically only do one save at the start of the level but i eventually started doing some mid-level saves because i was getting owned so much and describing all this, it might sound absolutely awful, and in a way it is, like, it, it was very frustrating. I, I don't know if how that sounds for you, James, but I, I know it sounds pretty bad.
1: Um, I don't know, the first two levels I played on that difficulty were, they were hard, but, like, it felt fair enough. It probably gets quite ridiculous later on, though, I'd imagine.
0: Yeah, so particularly when you start getting to the more large levels those first two levels are pretty small but when you start getting to the more mansion size levels where there are you know 15 cultists in a room it can be quite tricky however it does have something going for it you need to basic i, I basically view it as is a challenge difficulty level So I would go through and I would have to like memorize the locations of the cultists. I would have to ration my ammo because enemies have far more HP. Those gargoyles take twice as many bullets to go through. So there were multiple times where I would run out of ammo for my weapons and I'd have to use, oh, it's like, I guess I have three bundles of dynamite. I sure hope I find some ammo soon or I've got literally nothing left except my pitchfork. I would scour the level and memorize the locations of secrets and power-ups. So if there was a life seed, which gives 100 HP somewhere, I would have to know where that life seed was. So at a critical moment, I could return and pick it up. There are some very powerful power-ups like the ghost cloak, which just makes you invisible and enemies will not shoot at you at all while you can go on a shooting spree. So I would learn the secret that contains the ghost cloak Then use it and have to sprint through the level, killing as many difficult cultists as possible. Uh, And if I got low on health, it was very filled with tension because I would have to. If if I didn't, you know, make my way through, I'd have to repeat from the start. And I probably would have continued with this, except for the time limit of our show. I wanted to finish the game, so I started doing some additional saves. Um, It was an interesting experience. I think that it's one that veterans of Blood can absolutely play and enjoy and get a lot of enjoyment from. But it is a very particular kind of experience that to me required memorization to get through. Uh, So it's definitely not for everyone. And I think you're absolutely insane if you pick it as you're starting to.
1: Alrighty, um, so I guess we'll go into final impressions now, and I'll begin. um, I think that blood was an absolutely fantastic game with one of my favorite with one of my favorite weapon rosters in any game ever, like every gun is really fun to use, both its primary and its alternate fire, um, and they're all really well designed, like it you know damage wise compared to the breakpoints of the enemies that you're fighting. Um, I really liked the game's focus on hitscan enemies and making that fair and like a really integral part of the gameplay. Um, the tight levels, like really densely packed with secrets and rooms and meaningful like encounters were awesome. And I really like this like middle ground of abstract and, you know, thematic that they went for. Um, to me, like I had a blast playing this game. I was easily able to just play level after level of it when I went down in for a session um it was just a really good time there's a heap of variety here in terms of the levels and even though the enemy roster isn't like amazing it's like good enough and they serve as a great you know uh, canvas for you to you know paint your weapons against (laughs) so i thought that you know this is probably my favorite of the boomer shooters we've covered um and i'd you know really be happy to play another game similar to this i just think the flare gun and the dynamite uh, just like make the weapon roster. They're just so cool thematically.
0: So James, I'm pretty much in total agreement with you. I think blood is an excellent FPS. It's an excellent boomer shooter and it's just an excellent FPS straight up. Like this is definitely a game that you can play today and still get a tremendous amount of enjoyment from. I kind of feel like I'm echoing everything you said, but the weapon roster, the level design... Uh, the presentation of this game are all top tier. The only thing really bringing it down are the enemy roster being a bit limited and the deadliness of the hit scanners. I guess, being so above and beyond everything else that it does force you into a particularly uh, repetitive play style and maybe some of the references being missed by someone who's not aware of this era of horror and slasher films but outside of that there's just not much to complain about like blood is just really fun to play and i think that uh in particular the dynamite the 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 fact that it unites tactical and execution skills so so beautifully means that that weapon is fun to use the entirety of your playthrough i never got sick of it and when i went back to play this game that's the thing i was looking the most forward to Has one of the best shotguns in any fps ever i yeah i i love this game i think it's i think it's fantastic um if you like shooters of any kind of description, you should check out Blood. Uh, be aware that it is a fairly difficult game. Like this is on a difficulty level far above Doom or Quake or Unreal. It will kick your ass. But learning how to use all these tools to their to make them the most effective they can be is part of the fun. And mastering everything here is is very satisfying. So Blood is a great game. Play it, love it excellent game i'm very glad you picked it for the show james
1: it'll be the first and last shooter i pick for a while <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll
0: be my turn next clearly yeah yeah so i played Jig 3d with the uh, retro hangover boys uh as well for an episode on their show so if you want more build engine goodness recommend uh checking that out i'll pop a link to that in the show notes uh and yes if you want modern takes on this uh iron fury i think is excellent i think the level design is a bit too big but it it's got great, great weapon design and, you know, it, it nails that Juke 3D atmosphere. Cultic is one that has a very specific kind of atmosphere. Uh, I didn't really like the aesthetic of that game. Like, it's very gray and I think the levels are too big. It it led to a lot of me sniping enemies from afar. Um, a bit of an offbeat recommendation, but I do really like Hrot, H-R-O-T. Uh, less so because of the... Uh, I guess the dynamics of the gameplay and more because of the level design that's a game that understands how to do compressed looping level design absolutely masterfully and I do think the aesthetic is very interesting if very drab uh it's very drab on purpose so uh there's just a few random modern recommendations that riff on this kind of gameplay for what it's worth I enjoy Blood above all of these. I think Blood is that good. It's it's in, it's it's in a league of its own, and I don't think someone's recreated exactly what Blood is going for ever.
1: Do you, how do you rate it against something like Dusk or like the Quake clones?
0: So basically, Dusk is probably my favorite first-person shooter of all time. Okay. Um, I, I So Dusk, I would put above it, because I think Dusk takes everything that was good about Quake with the projectile-based uh 3d gameplay and actually enhances it with better level design um and more enjoyable combat encounters that kind of push you more to your limit uh so dusk personally for me is in a league of its own but honestly after playing blood i think it's just as good as quake I, i wouldn't say it's better than quake because i think quake is a different kind of gameplay experience But it was really fun. The weapon roster in in Blood is just so good. Quake just, I think, does the movement, uh, the three D movement and projectile dodging, leads to more variable combat encounters than Blood does. But uh, it's it's very Blood is very very good. Like you can't go wrong playing this game. Alrighty, so uh, that just about does it. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to us talking about Blood. You should definitely get this game. Uh, You can get Blood Fresh Supply, which is a re-release for it for modern systems or you can just emulate it this is a dos game so and there's lots of uh fan mods that recreate these games in different ways so if you're not wanting to buy fresh supply you can obtain it in a variety of ways james and i are the retrospectives podcast each and every three weeks we play through classic games and review them from modern perspective you can find all of our content on our website which is rspodcast.net It's got links to all of our episodes and all of our social stuff, the most important of which is our Discord server. We would love if you would join our Discord server. It's where we communicate with our community. Uh, It's where we take game recommendations, and it's where you can call us out for our shitty opinions or congratulate us on our wonderful opinions, either or is acceptable. Um, we also have a Buy Me A Coffee page. If you enjoy the show and would like to support us monetarily, you can either drop us a donation or set up a repeating donation, aka Patreon. And we, if you're really enjoying the show, we would love if you would do that. We'll also put a link to the show notes in that. So with Blood done and dusted, James has picked an FPS. So I've decided to return the favor and pick a game that James loves, that he's played many times. that is close to his heart and one that I've been wanting to sink my teeth into for a while, and it's Age of Mythology. James, I know very little about this game, basically what you've told me. I know a little bit about the Titans that are in the expansion pack, but the truth is I just really want to play an RTS game. We haven't played one for ages, and I know this is one that you enjoy. Why don't you tell us a bit about Age of Mythology and tell us what we're getting in for?
1: Yeah, so this game I played a ton as a kid. Um probably played through the campaign like 4 or 5 times. Um to me it's like the only other like RTS that managed to capture that vibe that War- Warcraft 3 had with its very, you know, character-focused storyline where your characters progress through the narrative and there's lots of missions where, you know, base building isn't the focus, it's more like RPG like. And that cool mix and that back and forth of the world building was just awesome. I also like, you know, this game has this like huge wiki of mythology in it for every single unit that's like three pages long. Like I feel (laughs) like I learned like 90% of the things I do about um Greek, Norse and Egyptian mythology from reading this in-game wiki of every like while playing. It's really fun. Um I really like the the gameplay style. Um and the level design was, you know, as I remember pretty, pretty varied. So kinda of interested on in this one. I hear it's quite tough on higher difficulties, so I might give that a go.
0: Yeah, it's probably worth playing on the higher difficulties. Although you know, I've <laughs> I am a bit worried. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I think that you and I are both RTS genre savvy enough to to deal with the higher difficulties.
1: I've never been super great at the genre, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, I'm no ex I'm no expert either, but I I have played a lot of these games on higher difficulties now. AI is just too fundamentally stupid, basically, in this day and age. So. If yeah. you even if you can't beat it legitimately, you can usually cheese it in some way or form and progress through. So yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. I, I from what I've read, this game does riff more off Age of Empires than Warcraft three in its design. And Age of Empires is a game I've played a lot. Um, but yeah, I the the RPG and story stuff is actually the thing that intrigues me the most because I do think that RTSs can tell uh, very good stories. It's just that often they don't. <laughs>
1: yeah i'm not gonna be i don't think the story is gonna blow our minds anything but like it is fun in the moment
0: okay well sounds good to me and we'll be playing age of mythology in three weeks we will see you then see you then guys
1: bye